Welcome to Critical Thinking for Everyone! Hi everyone, welcome to our show, or welcome back, Yeah. or a tentative toe in the water if you're new. Yeah, you might not be interested in thinking about your thinking, but somehow the dial landed here. And we think we're going to just pull you in, we're just going to reel you in. Yeah, because you know, all of us really benefit from thinking about our thinking and trying to find ways to improve our thinking, so probably this will be useful for you even if you just stumbled upon us by accident. Or what if you want to improve other people's thinking? Oh, man. <laughs> what if other people are the problem, Brian? <laughs> oh, well, could other people be the problem, Patty? That just doesn't seem right. Uh, I am, by the way, Brian Barnes, and I'm one of the hosts of this show. And I am the other host of this fine show. I yes. am Patty Payette. She is Patty Payette. I'm coming at you from the University of Louisville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we're also coming at you from Forward Radio, 106.5 FM. WFMP, Louisville, Kentucky. This is absolutely um, your spot for social justice radio, for homegrown grassroots radio. And uh, if you go to forwardradio.org, you could figure out uh, how to get involved with this a little bit. Uh, Time, talent, and treasure. Yeah, we are excited to announce that we have the next annual Give for Good Louisville campaign. It's coming. Give for Good Louisville. Yay, it's coming. I always like when you the way you say that, Brian. You say it. <laughs> you make it so exciting. It's on the way. <laughs> Thursday, September fifteenth. Mm-hmm. So, Brian, do you remember what Give for Good Louisville is? Can you can you tell the so, listeners? So, Give for Good Louisville. I think it's when um, a bunch of nonprofits designate one day to really highlight their work and it's um it's a city sponsored event isn't it right yeah the community foundation of louisville okay it, it sponsors this and uh, any nonprofit can register their organization for it to be like a designated give for good recipient okay. and you get your own website underneath the give for good louisville.org okay. you know umbrella and that whole day that 24 hours starting midnight on the 15th it is a donate a palooza, <laughs> and people from all over the community and beyond can donate to their favorite nonprofit and give for good. Well, so so how does this involve us? I mean, the radio station's a nonprofit, but yeah. but how do people give to the radio station through Give for Good? Well, I'm so glad you asked, Brian. Huh. They can go to giveforgoodlouisville.org and type in forward radio. Okay. Or they can listen because we're going to be doing a bunch of shows live, including our show. I heard about on that. Thursday, Justin Mog accosted me about this. <laughs> That's yes. right. And that will direct you to our website, forwardradio.org, and there'll be a button on our homepage, okay. which can specifically lead people to donating online to give for good. If they prefer to send a check in, again, you can go to forwardradio.org, hit donate, and uh, there should be information there about how you can send us a check. We get checks, and we are thrilled with any form of Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. moolah you want to throw our way that works, any form that works for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think right now Bitcoin is on a decline, so we might be... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if we're, virtual, if we're taking f- Virtual Bitcoin. money, yeah. yeah. We're not, yeah, that's a, mm, that's a, that could be tricky. Yeah, that could yeah. Be tricky, but we so. will take bags of cash. 
We'll take bags of cash. We'll yeah. take check. We'll take uh, transfer from your debit yeah. or your bank yeah. account. Personally, we'll take I prefer bag of cash. Like an actual bag of cash? That would be my preference if people could just lay a bag of cash on me. Why is that for your forward preference? Radio? Because then pre- I can skim a little. Because then I can get a couple of those dollars <laughs> off the top of the bag. Of, and then everyone's doing great, including me. It was give to Brian. <laughs> Has anyone ever given you a bag of cash? No, I'm just imagining it right now. It's sort of in my in my. You know what? For world. your birthday next year, I'm yeah. going to give you a bag of cash. You're going to give me a bag of cash for forward radio, and I'll skim a little <laughs> off the top, which is all I want to do, and the rest of it goes to forward radio. I mean, I think there's a mechanism no, here. he's not we can really going to do that. I'm not going to do gonna that, do Ruth. That. Relax. Yeah. Of course not. Jeez. At any rate. Well, anyway, so so give for good. We'll share more about that as it gets closer. Don't give me uh, cash. Don't give it to Brian. Give for good. Although Brian's. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> okay, so we got you excited about give for good. I hope in our live show. Yep. And yep. if you have any requests for the live show, by the way. Yep, send them through Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. Yep. Tell people where to find us. Uh-huh. Yeah, you can go Critical Thinking for Everyone on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, yeah send definitely. us a message. Yeah. We haven't yeah. gotten a message in a long time. Yeah, I think probably they don't want to talk to us. Yeah, They're just send listening. us a message. Well, you know, I tell you, I tell you, Sharon did reach out to us. Sharon, my cousin. Yeah, Jerry? yeah, she reached out to us with the, one of the recent episodes and said she really, she really got a lot uh, of it. She did. I didn't see that. I think so. I think it was. I, oh, I think it was on the Facebook isn't page. Isn't that nice? I got thanks, Sharon. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, that's right. It could have I'll been just a message out. to me, but who knows? <laughs> who knows? Sorry. Anyway, thanks, Sharon. Either way. So today's show, at the risk of being a little trendy. Oh man, we're trendy. We are going to be talking about this new concept called quiet. Quitting. Office politics forward. That's mm, what we have here. Yeah. Have you heard about this concept? Quiet quitting. I have heard about this concept. I think, I think, I'm not quite clear yeah. on it. I think it's when you go in to the boss and just slip your two-week notice right across the desk without words. <laughs> I think all that you hear, if it's a good quiet quit, mm-hmm. I think all that you hear is just the sound of the paper on the desk. Wait a minute. Can we do that here? Oh, yeah. Go can ahead. We, we you want to simulate that? Let's see. No, that's not it. That's too loud. That's quiet. Yeah. Yeah, that might have done that it. That sounds ASMR there. <laughs> a little bit like... <laughs> Isn't that it? I'm like starting to get like this like nice soothing feeling when you do that. <laughs> so so that's so that's quiet. That's quiet quitting. It's ASMR <laughs> paper sliding to your boss. Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> that that's going to no, be a meme, I'm sure, no, somewhere in some ASMR community. That's not what it is. Patty that's, pay it. What? <laughs> that's not what quiet quitting is. Oh, oh. no. Okay. It's a, uh, then it's, maybe I didn't get it. Okay. No, seriously. Are you? Are you, I thought you were joking. Do you really know not know what it is? Um, I mean, I'm. I, I obviously have some confusions. Uh, are you being serious? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, you do know what it I is. I do know what it is. I'm just trying to have fun with the people. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's a radio show. Yeah, it's yeah. Dun, dun. yeah okay. we were trying to do an ASMR introduction <laughs> to our radio show. So, um, yeah, I know. I mean, I, would, I, I okay. How do you understand it? What do you? Well, understand I understand. I understand that it is um, a way of working my contract such that I work no more than what I am contractually obligated to work. That's right. Quiet quitting is not actually quitting. It's just saying I'm not going to do anything beyond it's what a, is required. It's a stupid phrase. Yeah, it it does. Yeah, it doesn't. Quite, 
<laughs> because, well, you're not, I mean, you're not quitting. No, no. Now, I have to be honest. I haven't gone to TikTok to find the person who originally put this on TikTok because that's where it came that's from. Where it came from? Okay. This person, um, it's at Zaid Lepin. Zaid Zaid Leplin. Zaid Leplin. Yeah, that's their name. At, at, so their TikTok name is at Zaid, Z-A-I-D-L-E. Zaid! E-L-I-N. Okay, so it went viral, and then hashtag quiet quitting gained over 8 million views on TikTok alone. So this really rang... Rang people's chimes. Eight million views. Yeah. I guess that's a lot. On la- just last week. Yeah. And, well, let's say last week. This is an article from Forbes. Okay. Um, it's part of Kathy Capriano's series called Becoming the Most Powerful You to Live and Work Better. Okay. That's does, her. Does Kathy repre- recommend quiet quitting? or? Actually, she doesn't. Oh. This article. <laughs> Which, okay, so Loud the premise quitting of quit. this article, the premise of this article is... Okay, here's what quiet quitting is. And if you find yourself experiencing burnout, frustration with your job, unhappiness, and what she calls a gap, she identified actually a series of gaps. And when she says gaps, she means things like what I'm really good at and what I'm asked to do. There's a big gap between what I'm good at and what I'm doing. And so those are the kinds of gaps that can create job set dissatisfaction, especially if there's more than one. And so what she recommends is that you, A, become aware of your frustrations or these gaps, and then she has suggestions of how you can help uh, repair them. And whether you're in a leadership position and you can check in with your employees or whether you're an employee and you need to check in with your boss. Hmm. So, So I wouldn't say, like, she, like, says... Don't do. I, I wouldn't say she recommends quiet quitting, quitting, but she's kind of at delving a little deeper into the idea. Mm. Okay. 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 So let's talk a little bit about how this is like a zeitgeisty kind of term, like what's going on in the culture, because she kind of brings together what are sort of the culture or social circumstances that kind of brought this to a head. You know, that sort of. That sort of like yeah. um, got so eight million people on one week alone to go. Oh, I, I under, identify with this. So okay. she talks a little bit about that. Let me ask you before I say what she says. What do you think? Why quiet quitting right now? Is this is this zeitgeisty feeling surfacing? And what do you think is going on? Well, I mean, it seems to me that right now a lot of people are concerned about the labor market, about how much money they're making. A lot of people are concerned about how much work they're doing for the money that they're getting. And a lot of people are feeling undervalued, I guess, right now in the economy, um, in the U.S. Mm -hmm. in particular. And so it seems to me that this would be a thing that would um, be – you know, would resonate with those with those people. Like if I'm I don't know. I mean, I almost just I don't understand why this has become as kind of controversial as it has. It might also be because there's so much problem. There's this other problem in the contemporary culture right now that has to do with um, employers not being able to find enough employees to work for what they want to pay. And so maybe this is somehow related to that, like it's 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 connected, but it just 
The whole idea that I would not do extra if I'm in an hourly paid job just doesn't strike me as crazy at all. Hold that thought. Like why if I'm not getting paid – if I'm a salaried – look, right. I, I mean I understand. I've been a salaried employee a lot and I understand that sometimes things have to get done. And if you're a salaried employee, well, we need it done. And so that's what – you know, I don't care how long it takes you. Like we need to get this thing done. But with an hourly employee, if, if they're literally saying you're off the clock, I don't understand why I would want to okay. do any work well, for free. Well, Kathy points out that there are – This question of why would I want to do anything or why should I is in some ways very can be very workplace specific and there's kind of could be unspoken kind of expectations. So so to your point, um, it's called labor theft. Yeah. Let let's let's kind of tease out what are some of the things going on that sort of have brought this have sort of surfaced this and then let's talk a little bit about I use some criticality you know use our bring our critical thinking skills as we're want to do let's bring our hat yeah you you always bring your critical thinking skills it seems like to most conversations I do my best you do you're good at it well fingers crossed we'll keep going this time okay so here's one of the things that Kathy says has sort of brought this issue out into conversation socially she said um, the first thing is this thing called the Great Resignation. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. How do you understand what that is? Well, like, that's just a lot of people are saying, I really don't want to do this work for this money. And so they're just they're just leaving jobs where they're not satisfied with various conditions of the employment. And it's been happening since the uh, pandemic began. It's been, it's been happening in mass. It was happening even before the pandemic began, if I'm not mistaken. It was, but it really, um, we saw a pattern of resignations happening as people were grappling with the fallout from the pandemic, Mm. okay? Mm. And um, uh, this phrase, great resignation, was actually coined by Anthony Klotz, a Texas A&M University associate management professor, which I thought was really interesting, who has studied the exits of hundreds of workers, Okay, and so people were doing what was called career reevaluations, yeah, right? Okay, so okay. the the pandemic in which it disrupted work life for, I would guess almost. I'm trying to think if there's anyone I know whose work was not disrupted. Right. I don't know. I don't personally know anyone yeah. whose work wasn't disrupted in some sure. way. And so people had sort of a a momentary jumping off the hamster wheel, or getting onto a, a worse hamster wheel. Like mm-hmm. if you worked in healthcare professions or something else, right? Oh, your yeah. hamster wheel maybe accelerated. Sure. And you found yourself like a lot of people started questioning, is this really how I want to spend my time? Or they right. spent more time at home and thought, wait a minute, I don't want a two-hour commute every day or whatever. And so created this cascade. Now in higher education, I don't know if you've noticed this, but in the Chronicle of Higher Ed, there is a whole series of articles called The Big Quit, where faculty, including tenured faculty, talk about why they're leaving. Yeah. Yeah. No, I have seen a lot of that. Um, it's, you, you have? Yeah. I mean, it, definitely with the pandemic and whatnot. And, and certainly I've certainly there's been a shift within, you know, part time faculty stuff because a lot of folks perceive that they can 
go out and um, and do better for themselves um, than whatever they're doing for the part-time uh, faculty. So yeah, you know, pay so. Yeah, so you as someone who experiences being uh, not on the tenure track, you mm-hmm. experience you you experience that vulnerability. Oh yeah, I mean it's constant. I had um, it was pretty funny. I had uh, my one of my direct supervisors call me the other day when I came. I was I'd been out of the country. Yeah. And I came back in the country, and as soon as my plane landed in the United States, the phone rang, and it was my boss. And I was like, "What in the world is this?" Uh-oh. Like I remember just visible, just I mean, just <laughs> I felt this wave of what in the hell could this be, right? And then, um, or as Dorothy Parker says, with the phone rang, she used to say, "What fresh hell is this?" <laughs> <laughs> well, and the, the problem is that if you're on just about everywhere, I yeah. mean, if there's not a union that's you know robustly protecting part-time faculty, part-time faculty can be fired for any reason or no reason. Yeah. Like they can just decide that we're just not going to hire you back, you right. know, whatever, take your classes away, and so. Um, and then, of course, you know, you can always have legal recourse, I guess. But frankly, that's the way that's the situation. Right. That's the the lay of the land. And so I got finished with the conversation or I, I, I got on the I'm sorry, it was right at the beginning, yeah. at the beginning of the conversation. Yeah. And uh, and my boss on the end of the phone was like, hey, I hope I'm not stressing you out. I said, you're stressing me out immensely. How can I help you? <laughs> Then, when someone says, I yeah. hope I'm not stressed, yeah, that's and I'm the thinking, what could this f- I've just hit the ground. I've been out of the country teaching. Oh, and no. I'm thinking, what did I do? Oh, no. Because there's so much, you know, there's often, often I'm pushing an envelope somewhere when I'm teaching. And so you, n- you never quite know what the blowback might be. And I was like, what has happened? What envelope did I push Yeah, exactly. Far? And then and then at the end of the conversation, <clears throat> you know, was, the, the person was like, you know, I hope that um, – you know, hope that you weren't, you know, worried or whatever about this. I said, I just thought you were calling to fire me. What? <laughs> I mean, that was. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, they were, and why they were else like, would they call yeah, you? Yeah, and they were like, right. no. <laughs> but because there had, doesn't have to be a reason. You know, it's like, it's like, it, and so, so that kind Brian. of vulnerability is one of the reasons oh. why people move away from part-time academia very quickly because without, I mean, who, tenure is great, but forget tenure. How about just. How about just a multi-year contract? How about just, you know, this is a regular job like any other job, and you would be fired for cause, not just because we decided one day we didn't like God. having you My walking down the hall. My heart goes out to you that you see the f- his his or her name, and your first reaction is, I'm be- oh, my god. Well, because because it's in that delicate space between, like, the end of summer teaching and the yes. beginning of fall teaching. I mean, bad things have happened in there before. Right, where ca- classes have gotten canceled. Oh, yeah, so yeah. I was just like, what in the world is going on here? Uh, so, you know, that's the thing is it's like when you have that kind of vulnerability, certainly was that irrational. Like, was that an overreaction on my part? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that was a little – but – just because of the timing and because of the sequence of events and because of some of the frustrations that I'd had, you know, being out of the country in the first place with the teaching, it was just like, wow, you know, this isn't this isn't outside the realm of possibility. Well, also, I need to point out something else. It was a phone call, right? Sure. In this day and age where almost all business is conducted over e- over email, oh, man. getting a phone call, yeah, right? Sure. So, exactly, right? Yeah. Even unconsciously, yeah. right? Like when I get a phone call, yeah. I look down and I see who it is and I'm doing, you're doing this very <laughs> quick lightning, com- like, 
calculation in your head. Yeah. Why would this person be calling right, you? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, no, that's exactly it too, because right. because you would expect email, but you wouldn't expect a phone call. And it was just like, wow. <laughs> but again, I mean, I don't think that this person's vindictive. I don't have any ill yeah. will against the person. In fact, I would, I would say that this person's probably an ally as far as, you know, my employment and projects, right. you know, go. But at the same time, you just never know when you're in that kind of a vulnerable vulnerable position. Yeah. It's very difficult to know. I mean, it's a good reason, in my view, to have if you're going to have one of those jobs, you got to have a lot of those jobs. <laughs> yeah. Because the vulnerability. I mean, there have just been so many times, not you know, from this person or but there there have been so many times over the you know decades now that I've been doing this work that somebody will just come in out of the middle, you know, out of nowhere and just be like, Pull hey, hey, no, no, no work for you, and you're like, what? Oh, my so, gosh. Yeah. Wow. And it's sort of like the digital equivalent of I need you to come to my office because I need to talk to you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. It's I mean? like, why am I? Why can't we? Why couldn't we just why can't we just do it here, Steve? <laughs> we could just do it right here. Right. No. Your office. Why your office? I have a perfectly nice office. Do I not, Steve? <laughs> do I still have that? Office? Yeah, maybe. Maybe I don't anymore. Yeah. All we right. should probably have this okay. conversation in private. So quiet quitting is not actually <laughs> quitting. Okay. So instead, as Kathy says, it's discussing, it's limiting your job output and tasks to only those that are strictly stated in your job description, not taking on more duties and tasks than your current role specifies, and perhaps even doing the least you can to complete the job required, but doing it well. Yeah. So in other words, I'm just going to, I'm going to satisfactorily do, perform my tasks. Yeah. I'm not going to shirk them, Sure. but I'm just going to kind of just tick them off the list. Yeah. You know what I mean? A little yeah. bit of an autopilot, it yeah. sounds like. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. These quiet quitting actions are aimed at helping avoid the growing experience of burnout, being taken advantage of, right. working longer hours than right. required, and doing more than you were hired to without being compensated. Well, that's the thing is that so, especially with, you know, professional work or whatever, there's so much that doesn't get necessarily compensated. There's so many like, you know, conversations you might have offline or emails that are answered while you're at home or just, you know, let's just st step over here for a few minutes to do this thing when we're not necessarily in the workspace. I mean, I just think it's it's very easy in the professional setting these days to have it really take over all of your, you know, energy and, and, um, and time. Yes. Yeah. And and I need to make an observation that my former boss mm. had this phrase about valuable employees and they would go what she called above and beyond. Yeah. Right? right. Now, I'm not pinning this just on her because a lot of, you know, department heads or business owners want employees that are not automatons, Absolutely. but that they will yep. be like, oh, let me... Let me, oh, I see a gap or a need or a problem with this customer. Oh, I can jump in and fix it, right? Or I see this system isn't working and I'm going to make a recommendation, sort of like that's it. And so the funny, funny thing was that I was once talking with an employee about going above and beyond. And I said, so when you're getting evaluated, they're satisfactory, right? Like satisfactory, doing your job and doing it well. If you want a higher rating, then you need to be able to demonstrate how you go above and beyond. And you know what they said is, 
well, tell me what going above and beyond is. Give me ex- and and so it was like, well, the that's the thing. If you're going above and beyond, then it's beyond what's explicitly stated. Mm-hmm. If I tell mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. that isn't you taking initiative to go above and beyond because I've said what it is. You you know, that's, that's the, I can give you examples, but you have to be, you know what right, I mean? And right. so some people kind of glommed onto it. Yeah. But it was just, I, I felt for that person because I could, you know, that person struggled with like, well, how do I know what that is? And oh, it's like, yeah. That's the, almost the definition of it. You're, yeah. you're going above and beyond just what stated. Well, but this happens in all kinds of places. I remember when I used to be in the military, you yeah. know, if you wanted, if you wanted to get good things, you would do extra. When you say get good things, you mean promoted? Well, promotion often, you know, when you get to a certain point, promotion is a function of points you accumulate. Mm. So it doesn't matter so much, oh. except that you need your command's blessing to go to get promoted. Like you can have enough points, but still not make the promotion list. Uh, and so I it's see. like, well, why am I not on the promotion list? It's because it's like, well, the other day after the cookout, everyone stayed to clean up and you and you just left. And you always do that. You always leave when it's time to finish. Right. But then you're not staying to help do this thing. It's like, well, why, why, don't, why don't we just have the whole thing go until we're finished cleaning up then? Like, why is this, why is the cleaning up part the extra part that only some people would stick around for? Wasn't everybody just, but that's the thing is like, you know, or, you know, if you would do extra things, often you would get like better duty, right? Like there would be like, you know, there's things you could do that would really suck to spend five or six hours doing. There are these other things that would actually be quite pleasant. And so if you would go the, you know, above and beyond kind of thing, those are the people who would end up with the better duty also. Right, because a lot of times what those people are perceived as invested, right? They're sort of more deeply invested, like if somebody's going above and beyond. So the idea is their sort of investment is rewarded in a way for sometimes promotion or some other kinds of recognition. Well, right. So, So part of the thing, though, is you have to work in a culture or the ideal thing is that as an employee, you're in a culture where you are positioned to go above and beyond or you are recognized or you have intrinsic desire, right? Right. If you're in a position where you're just like, I'm just going to quiet quit. I'm just going to do what's then. And and we'll talk more about that. That kind of can create a a serious gap in satisfaction for you. Well, what happens Um, in a lot of jobs, um, you know, jobs, especially that are that revolve around sales and mm -hmm. retail sector and stuff like that. Often it is precisely the going like above and beyond kind of thing that makes all of that work like it's supposed to. Like without yes. the going, like like great customer service. Like like I've been in places where they've taught great com- customer service as doing extra things. And then I've been in places where they taught great customer service as doing all of those things that the other place said was extra. And it's like, it just, you know, it, it, it's a question of where you think your responsibilities stop. Like, I've already answered this question, and so I don't need to do more. But then somebody else might say, well, the customer still isn't satisfied. So you do need to do more, like, until they're satisfied. And, it's some, you know, some people are like, well, I get paid to run the cash register. And so satis- whatever that looks like, satisfying the customer is not really part of what I do. But then they'll say, well, you know, 
If you don't do that, then when it comes time for the promotions and the pay raises and all that, you're just adequate. Like that satisfactory thing, that's not what gets you. Because, you know, when you're in the retail sector and stuff, at least until very recently, I mean, we're talking about raises, we're talking about quarters, we're talking about dimes, we're rarely talking Mm. about dollars for you know, regular performance reviews. And so it's like you're sitting around talking about, I mean, I can see where this would get old after a while. You're sitting around talking about people going above and beyond in a customer service position, but you're only paying them nine bucks an hour to do what they were hired to do. So it's like, how much more of my time and energy do you think nine bucks buys? (laughs) Right. Right. And that's, I guess that's part of the thing that makes it so context specific. Yeah. Right. Is that um, what the pay is, what the expectation is, how the work culture either reinforces that or creates a toxic burnout kind of thing, Mm -hmm, you know. mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's really hard right now. A lot of businesses are really hard to find good employees or or, I say good, but like the match for the job, what they need. Well, that's because the Um, match for the job is often way more than what's actually needed to do the job. You know, the problem is the, the jobs aren't advertised sufficiently because you have a list of duties, but then there are also these expectations beyond the duties. Like not just that you will do these duties, but you'll do them in a certain fashion. Right. Or else you're not a good fit. And it's like that doesn't get advertised. That's, yeah. That's, you know, one of these intangible things. And that's why a lot of people are like, well, you know, Steve over here, he's a great fit because he doesn't have anything else to do after work and he can sit around and do all the extra stuff. For me, I just – it's just up to here. Well, it's really interesting because I was talking to my son, a college-age son, about a part-time job. And mm. he said, well, I've been um, asked to work for this one campus publication. I said, oh, that's great. They want you to work for them? Like – they're asking you and he's like yeah but it doesn't pay very well and i'm like well okay you know fair but sometimes <clears throat> there's things more than like there's considerations that are bigger than the pay right sure. and sure. so asking him to think about it that way but ultimately he you know he has to decide if sure. that's going to fit sure. but um i did notice when i was we were moving him into campus a couple of weeks ago we went out to dinner and as we were getting to the restaurant i noticed they had a big sign out front that said you know we're looking for like like four different roles in the restaurant like you know bussers or wait whatever it said i just happened to caught my eye because it was just so it was like four different things i was like wow and we walk in and we go over to the the stand where you check in for through reservations and there was like a 13 year old kid who i'm guessing was the son of the owner or the son of maybe the you know and he was like perfectly professional and like knew how to work the computer and sat in just in this very like mature and I was like wow so maybe they're getting creative with, <laughs> like they're hiring here sure. I was like I was like okay maybe that's how they're doing it the only person like, we could find to take this money was a 13 year old it's really he was really good right we were all like wow okay so here's the other thing though quiet quitting is doing it's it's not only just kind of um, p- pointing to this experience of burnout that a lot of people are, are experiencing or this worker shortage and how it's how it's how it's um, blowing back on the people who are in the workplace and trying to cover multiple jobs, et cetera. But it's also giving a platform and voice to 
all these people who are disgruntled with how they're being treated. Mm. And so people in one way are latching onto it because it's sort of like, a, oh, me too. It's sort of like a me too movement around, I don't want to be burned out. I don't want to be taken advantage of. And one of the interesting factors that she talks about in this article is actually remote work. Okay, so what happened yeah. during COVID? Yeah. Here's what happened. A lot of people, not all, but a lot of people worked from home. Yep. And so then the upshot, because I saw this in my own workplace, the upshot is some people were like, wait a minute, why should I go back to the office five days a week if I have demonstrated I can do right. my job from home? So right. some people are disgruntled because if they're being forced back into the work, come into a space when they're, so that's it. But there's another piece to it, the people who are working from home and are now working remotely, let's say full-time or close to full-time, they're finding that work-life balance is harder yep. because the, so the lines are so blurry. Yep. So they're like, oh, I'm at home. So yep. the expectations might be I'm more available all the time. Like I can't just walk out and leave. As you know, I chose even during the pandemic to come in because very, I really like that demarcation for me of my day. Yeah. Even though I have a, you know, it's like 30 minutes door to door. Sure. I get the psychological and work satisfaction of like a definition between work and home. And so for me, I'm, I'm you know, I, I can relate to that because I don't want to be at home all day where I'm just static in one space. Okay. And so they're saying this, it can cut both ways. It can cut yeah. for the people who are working from home and feeling this lines are too blurry. The people who want to work from home are being forced into the office. So it, it's complicated. Yeah, definitely complicated. Yeah. 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 I mean, and that's the thing is that since people have so many different preferences around this, you know, it makes it difficult to figure out what the right policy is. I mean, so much of so much of work in the American model is built around exploitation anyway. I mean, there's so much of it that is, you know, the very ways that we talk about capitalist enterprise are the same, you know, some of the same words or words we use to talk about exploitation um, and the same approaches, you know. I mean, the, the owners, you know, get a lot of value out of workers. And that's becoming a lot more transparent these days, right? People know a lot more about what their boss is getting out of their work, right? Mm. And so I think for a lot of people, it becomes um, sort of an exercise in self-preservation that they say, this is all I'm going to put into this enterprise when I see how much others are getting out of what I'm doing and seeing what I get out of it, I, I can't justify putting all of my time into this, even though I'm in a position to maybe do that from a work-at-home setting or something. Or, or they can say, now that I see the value to my organization and it can't function without me, I can also ask for more money. So right. we see that happening as well. Workers yep. saying, yep. no, I don't, I'm not a dime a dozen. You, you, know, you want to keep me, then... I, I, I bring value and I'm more aware of that. And right. so then I'm going to ask for more money. That's so what you try to do. So, um, so, um, so the remote work has definitely brought a lot of this out into the open, especially the, the article talks about um, a lot of this has fallen more heavily on women hmm. 
who are doing who have more domestic responsibilities traditionally or childcare. And so that, you know, trying to burn the candle at both ends is creating a lot of stress. Sure. Um, so so this this article says it's, this isn't a new phenomenon, this idea about people struggling with burnout, but it's the pandemic has sort of exacerbated it. And so um, so one of the things she says is the term in the word quitting gives people a sense of personal power and urgency along with feeling like uh, validated, like, oh, uh, okay, I'm not the only one experiencing this. So many millions of people are feeling this. And it allows them, this quiet quitting term allows some new ways to think about how to regain control of their lives that they desperately want. So really, in some ways, she's saying it's kind of like a cry for help for people who are like, I need a better work-life balance. Hmm. I can see that, I guess. I mean, I think also... And I mean, I think also it it creates boundaries, though. I mean, I think that's the way it's often characterized when I've seen it on something like TikTok or whatever. It's it seems to be characterized as a as a setting of boundaries. And I just I just don't find that inappropriate. I mean, I just don't I just don't see anything wrong with it. Um, Setting uh, workplace boundaries. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I don't to have any, you know, pejorative notion around this is to imply that um, someone should be working beyond what they're being compensated for. And I think that while that is the norm in a lot of capitalist structures, I think that the, um, you know, the rhetoric at least of um, fairness surrounding capitalist structures is that you pay the workers for their labor. And so if that's not coming, if I'm not getting any kind of compensation or benefit from doing this extra thing right now, then it can just wait. Like those emails can wait till tomorrow, you know, and this update can wait until the next time I'm at work or whatever. And that that just doesn't strike me as something that is so – that ought to be built into the system. That mm. that ought to be just the way that it works. Like there's quitting yeah. time, you yeah. know. Yeah, I think it's. I think though it's so. It, for some people, it's really blurry, though. I mean, for some people, they have jobs where they like just psychologically find it hard to let go at the end of the day, mm. or or don't have jobs that neatly fit in there. Or um, I think. I think. The other thing I want to point out is that um, when Kathy did points out this research around these big gaps, she identified like seven major gaps between for that people experience on the job that keeps them from that leads to burnout and dissatisfaction. So, but when you look at what the gaps are, sometimes I think the irony in some of these is that they actually sort of ask you to not just be go through the routine or like hit your tasks they're actually asking you to engage as a person more fully in your work so that's could be kind of the flip side can i can i share some of those yeah go ahead of course okay so these are some of the gaps and you tell me if you've ever experienced these okay oh okay yeah all right go ahead or we can both share all right okay Gap number one. She calls these power gaps. Power gaps. These are power gaps. The first one is not recognizing your special talents, abilities, and accomplishments. Meaning as an employee, I'm not recognizing what sort of I'm the, the difference I'm actually making. 
you know? So that's interesting because, like, if you're in a job where you perceive yourself as replaceable, then it might be really hard to see that. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Because you're like, again, I'm just going to be a robot showing up and, you know, doing, you know, putting in this data, you know, data into a spreadsheet. And so so being in a job which actually leverages special talents abilities or you feel a sense of accomplishment. Now, you might say, wow, what if I'm a server at a restaurant? How do I do that? Well, as you know, having been a server and brought your own special brand of Brianness to it. Sure. One of the things that can help, let's say, in a serving job as a server that actually could increase your tips is how you are sort of your special talents, meaning you're you're bringing yourself to it, like chatting with people or connecting with people, not just taking your order and walking away. Sure. But so so there's a sense at which a match between who I am and what I care about, what I'm good at. Yeah is actually connected or plugged into this job. It's like a good alignment. That's yeah. That can lead to a lot of dissatisfaction if there isn't good alignment, strong yeah. alignment. Sure, sure, so, I can see that. I can, I'm can. So. i also thinking about, um, you know, there are some jobs where you have those, like, special skills and stuff like that, but it still seems like there's not high valuing. Like... Again, I just go back to part-time faculty job. A lot of part-time faculty are aware that there are other people out there ready to take their job. Yeah. Like there are other people with these degrees in town. I know that my department gets people applying for these jobs every semester or whatever. Um, I've seen other people who have these jobs because it's specialized, right? It's teaching college. So it's supposed to be like not just anybody can come in and do it. But I've seen people who have special jobs and special skills around those jobs just get replaced. Just like suddenly they just that person's gone. They just bring in somebody else who has this specialty. And so I think in a lot of highly specialized positions, it's difficult to to leverage that because you perceive that the institution can go on without you anyway. Right. And some of your the things that where you go like above and beyond for a student are invisible to the institution. Oh, right. Sure, definitely. Right. Yeah, so that's yeah. the thing. If you feel like, wow, I'm doing all this extra or I have all the special spin I'm doing on my job. Right. But it's not it's invisible to right. someone that can also feel like, why am I right? Like I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do, but right. I'm not I'm not getting any recognition for it. Well, so. this was this was the worst, I think, when I was at the National Security Agency because, um, you know, everybody there has special skills. Like you can't even get in the door without special skills because that's that's what they need you yeah. for is this technical thing or linguistic thing or whatever. Um, and so you would think in a place like that that there would be a lot of people who, you know, would be in a position to kind of – feel good about what they're doing because of their special skills, but almost no one, almost, I mean, everyone had imposter syndrome because, (laughs) because again, there was always the cycle of new people coming in and old people going out. So it's like there was a, a perception that you could be replaced and then the management could always do your job. Like that was the one thing, like if you can't come to work or whatever, there are always people above you who could just step in and do your job and they could do it better than so you and they irrepla- could do it faster than So you're than replaceable. You. Yeah, but they didn't want to because they were doing something else. Like they had another thing, right. but they could 
cover wow. any time. Wow. And, and so what happened there was that people started using their special skills. Like they started getting leverage with them when I was there, but they were so aggressive and angry about it. <laughs> like everybody, they would wield these special skills like a, like a club, you know, and like do battle, <laughs> you know. Like and, who's more... Irrepla- who has the special or skills that yeah who's the sp- and, and, and people would try to get special or stuff wow. they'd be like well I've got these certification <laughs> but oh but I went and got this one oh no how'd you get that and it was just the matter of having done the special thing that somehow was the value the the valuable part right and people right. would say you know people would list all their credentials as if this is what makes me valuable here. And it's like, well, no, you're not any good at your job. Like, I got that, but you're not any good at the, at the right, job. Yeah. yeah. So so that makes me think of the second, that makes me lead to the second thing she said, which is communicating from fear, not strength. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, so if you're man. in a job where it's dog eat dog. <laughs> I thought right? you were calling to fire me. <laughs> <laughs> right. As opposed yeah. to, yeah, you're calling me to hear about what great ideas I have for. Oh, you wouldn't believe. I guess, I guess you already heard how awesome that gig was. <laughs> Just couldn't <laughs> wait to talk to me before you go. I yeah. mean, I mean, wouldn't that yeah. be refreshing? I mean, just yeah. I mean, and again, nothing against any of my bosses, but but just refreshing that like if if somebody would call, you'd be like, I bet they're calling to talk about this great <laughs> this great idea I had. I am so glad you called. I can't wait to share all this kind of stuff as opposed to oh shit. Excuse me, what, what did I do? You <laughs> right, know? what's like, the yeah. bad news? Uh, all right, so here's another gap: reluctance to ask for what you deserve. Okay, so. <laughs> it's killing me. Stop it. It's killing me. People don't want to ask for what they do. No, certainly not, because then so. I might get expended. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you want a what? Nah. Right, right. This one's really interesting. Isolating from influential support. In other words, mm. I am a cog in the wheel, and I have no... And, and there's a book I read that once called this like a guardian angel. Like there's somebody in the organization yeah. who sees you, knows you, who can run interference for you, yeah. right? That, not having that. I've had jobs where I've had that, and I've had jobs where I haven't had that. And let me just say, night and day. Yeah. What a gift. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I've oh, had yeah. amazing, right? So yeah. this is a really yeah. interesting yeah. way she did it. We're isolating from influential support, right? Yeah. These are, again, are things that are often not in a job description or not taught at a, you know, at a business school or something. Like, these are, like, the realities of of what it means to show up in well, an organization every yeah, day. Yeah, and especially if you're in an organization where you don't have that kind of job security, Having those people is vital yes. because that's the only way that you keep your job. And <laughs> what that means is it becomes a little bit personality driven. Like there's a little bit of, you know, you have to have really good working relationships with your leadership or else you have zero expectation that you'll be able to keep your job. I mean, I've had a lot of jobs like that because it's Kentucky and it's an at-will state. And so you can be fired for no reason, for any reason or no reason, and you can leave for any reason or no reason. But of course, there's a big power differential there. But I've been in a bunch of jobs where it's been just like that, where, and I mean, people are resentful because they see it like, ah, you're the boss's little buddy. It's like, well, I also got the hours. (laughs) You know, like that's the way you get the hours. Exactly. And people say, well, that's not, you know, that's not fair because I work, you know, hard or whatever. And it's like, but but this, there's something more to that. We used to call them intangibles. Right. Right. And the, the thing is, that's a very neutral term when you say that they're intangibles. Like that could be that, – that's somehow perceived as, as positive, like they're value added and you can't see them. Like they're somehow 
special. But, you know, the intangibles can take on a whole array of effects in the workplace. Absolutely. And um, I was I was counseling my daughter a couple of years ago in college with a difficult work situation. and, and, And I said, you know. Okay, the reality, she was complaining how she didn't feel appreciated by her supervisor. And I said, okay, guess what? Sometimes you're going to be a job where they recognize you and see you and appreciate you. And sometimes you're not. And that's going to be life. And so learning how to not personalize that, how to how to deal with that. So, you know, it's um, it's great when when you have that, but um, it doesn't automatically come with it. Definitely not. A couple more things she mentioned. Acquiescing. Another gap. Acquiescing instead of saying stop to mistreatment. Ah, Lord. I mean, there's so much of that. That is really well, that's hard. A, that's a core aspect of that Me Too platform. Yes. That's a core aspect of Black Lives Matter. I mean, so many um, groups are taken advantage of in the workplace because they're perceived as being as, as they're you know, there aren't any intrinsically valuable lines here. Like we can push this group as much as we want because they're not going to you know, they're not really going to push back. Right. And the other piece having years ago, not at UofL, but years ago when I started my career and I was in an organization where the leader had some toxic behaviors, it was like the, the culture of the organization was keep your head down. Yeah. Right. So yeah, what am I going to do? What am I going to like speak up? I was like the new person. Right. right. No, right. I'm not going right. to speak up. So it was a very it was very much like you did two things. You either left or you kept your head down and hoped that you could avoid the fire that, yep. you know, that was it. Yep. Those were the choices yep. I felt. So yep. anyway, yep. I ended yep. up yep. leaving. But sure. losing sight of your thrilling dream for your life and career. Oh, man. So, <laughs> right. So a big gap is like yeah. I had a vision for what I yeah. wanted for my career or my life. And this isn't it. And so grappling with that. I don't know what else that, I can do about it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I ended up going, well, I'm going to grad school. In my 20s, I was like, well. You know, and that that was how I was like, this is not this is not engaging me intellectually. And so I need to go to a place where I feel more challenged. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's right. I I, I remember when I was at when I was um, trying to figure out what I was going to do about my government service. There were so many intangibles. Like I had an interest in going on and kind of the intelligence community or whatever. But it was very difficult to figure out things like where I would live and (laughs) what the quality of life would be and if that would be, you know, the kind of life where it would be conducive to doing something like having a family, which I wanted to do or or something like that. I mean, it just seemed like, you know, it, it, it it was so easy to end up in a bad situation if you stayed with the job. Like everybody, everybody had stories of, yeah, I got posted in this dump and these bad so things happened. So it was like the uncertainty kind of was yeah. like, like you're like, I don't want to. And I'm like, uh, there's so much money and time that's been put in by the organization and by me in order to get to this point right now. And you can't tell me anything about my future other than we'll make sure you get paid. Wow. I was like, that's- well... Well, I don't know then. I, I'm afraid I'm going to have to do and, – and once I started asking questions like that, they were like, well, we can give you – you know, we could give you these options. Like you could be yeah. one, of, one of these three. Right. One of these four. Pick a, one of these doors. Pick the, one of these doors. And, yeah. But if you be behind the door, there's still clusters. Like it could be – and oh, not all I of see. them are good. Right. And it's like that's still not good enough. I see you narrowed it down to three, but I don't – I got to know a little more, you know. Right. And it was – and it just became untenable in that regard. I mean I think that that happens a lot um, – 
in certain kinds of environments where you just can't get that kind of any kind of certainty about what your future was. And I tell you, I tell you, the phrase, this isn't what I signed up for. Ha! I mean, if there were, if there ever would have been a tattoo for that period of my life, I mean, <laughs> everybody I knew almost every day said this phrase. Oh. Like, this isn't what I said. Wow. But we're doing exactly the work that, that we're supposed to be that doing. That sounds like... But mm-hmm. there are these aspects of it that were just totally hidden in the brochure. Like, they just didn't ever make it right. into the glossy material. Right. The devil was in the details. For sure. And then, and you're like, wow, I, I, I'm doing exactly <laughs> what I... What I what I, you know, came here to do, but I hate it, right? This this cannot be, you know, what I signed up for. And in many cases, it was like people would say, no, it's exactly what you signed up for. And it's like, well, then I didn't know what, you know, so somebody concealed right. something from me, right. you know. Right, I didn't have, right. All right. So uh, the last one she talks about is allowing past challenges to continue to define you. So care baggage, right? Getting and a rut. Carry baggage. Yeah. So um, now she says in the last five or so minutes here, I want to talk about some steps, she says, of what you can do. Okay, okay. you can so quit. You find yourself. You Patty can quit. says you can quit. You well, All right, so here's one, is try to really figure out what isn't working and why. So like sure. in your situation, let's yeah. say, what isn't working and why for me is that I don't, I'm not willing to tolerate all this uncertainty in my future. Sure. I want to have more say in my sure. future. So, sure. right, maybe that isn't working. Or someone says maybe it's hours or maybe it's, you know, whatever. Uh, the Your work setup, your space isn't you know, is too noisy. I don't know, whatever. But being really clear how long this has been happening and that will really be important. That's Mm -hmm. a, you know, try to identify the problem. And she says, don't be quiet, be clear and strong. Meaning when you go, let's say you're talking to your boss about what isn't working, have facts, support data, not just like, oh, I'm, I'm, um, I'm not valued, right? Saying, you know, I've worked X number of, I've been asked to work late X number of days in the last month or, you know, whatever, like have and maybe working with a friend to help you like specifically, maybe not, you maybe have to document for a while. Sure. Right. Yeah. I know one thing that helped me is this, the third one, she says, set stronger boundaries. What I learned was I need to stop looking at email after a certain time each day. Hmm. Like, because if I'm checking my email, like, at 1030 when I'm getting ready for bed and there's something, I get an email yeah. that I'm, like... You spun up. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, mm-mm, nope, not, nope, no more. Mm. Because I can just deal with that at 830. Yeah, morning, yeah. I think, right? yeah, my, my only problem with that is, especially, you know, in a teaching environment, is a lot of times students work at odd hours. And so I do feel sort of an obligation to answer text messages and emails that come in late because those students often are, you know, they're experiencing a lot of desperation. Oh, yeah. And and that's very context specific. Right, right. right. For me, I'm not, right. My husband, who is also a faculty member, will will say things like he'll check his email. We'll be coming home from somewhere. He'll be like, oh, I have to go deal with this brush fire. That's what he calls (laughs) it. The student has a brush fire. Sure. I got to go deal with this dude. And I'm always like, yes. Go deal with that. So that, mm-hmm, the, you know, mm-hmm. boundaries are going to look different. Yeah, that's right. But people. that is the thing, you know, with a lot yeah. of the, with a lot of jobs. I mean, I, I remember when I when I work, was working in the grocery store, I used to get really spun up about problems, um, especially when I entered the leadership. And I remember one day this boss said to me, it's just a grocery store. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? And he said, it's it's just a grocery store. Like in the morning, like you lock the doors and you come back in the morning and everything's still the way it was. 
it's just a grocery store. Right. You know, this isn't world peace or national security or nuclear secrets or any of this. Like, it's that's all it is. And so you really, honest to God, can walk away from it and come back the next day and pick it up. And that was super useful for me because I was always, like, I was there once I like got keys, once I got keys, I was there all the time. Like I was showing up wow. at all times of the night, doing all kinds you of stuff, wow. planning these little projects. I'd come in, <laughs> do a little thing, you know. Well, because wow. that was kind of the way that I was trained with all this was, you know, you do a lot of the work yourself because it saves the store money. And especially once you get into the management. But that meant that, you know, for the same salary that I was getting paid 40 hours, I was working 80. I mean, right. you know, that's constantly. crazy. Yeah. So I think that's really important. In fact, we in my first job, uh, uh, one of my first jobs, we had this phrase was nobody's village is going to burn. <laughs> like like somebody was like, oh, no, we missed this proofread in this brochure. And we'd OK, well, let's solve it. And then, you know, like you said, they get all wound up about yeah, it, absolutely. carry on. We'd be like, nobody's village is going to burn. Right. <laughs> like like like. This is small potatoes. Like, let's keep it in perspective. So yep. that's really yep. important. So. Um, and that leads to one of her other tips is prioritize what matters, right? Like, if you're realizing my family life is suffering, okay, you need to reprioritize that. Absolutely. And I love this last one. It says, if you're a leader or a manager, which I am, it says, ask your employees what's working for them. Yep. What isn't it? Yep. What isn't working? And have an open dialogue. And so, I love that's a great reminder about for those of us who are supervising people, and we can really influence um, what their work life. Yep. You know their their satisfaction. How can we do that? So, Important so stuff. I really like this article. It wasn't just about quiet quitting, but it was about kind of going a little bit deeper with some of the issues. I liked it. Well, that's good. And I think that uh, it's probably good for our listeners to think about setting boundaries and knowing where the rational boundaries are, you know, and of course, a lot of times it it takes us taking a few minutes to think about our own thinking and think about what our own values are and really take that seriously. And yeah, you know, it's a big hassle to make changes, but sometimes, I mean, those changes make all the difference in quality of life. And yeah, and thinking critically. It's about thinking critically, getting off the hamster wheel. This article, by the way, is from Forbes. It's Kathy Caprino's series, from a series she has about life and work. Cool. Cool. Well, people should check it out. Yeah. So. I'm glad. Thank you for going along with on this journey. Absolutely. Thanks for bringing <laughs> the the uh, the fodder, as you call it, for yes. for our intellectual journey. So, And friends, we hope that you've enjoyed this intellectual journey. Again, uh, please keep in mind that you can always uh, find more information about our show and about uh, all the great shows on Forward Radio at forwardradio.org. As you go through your week, good luck with the good thinking. It'll be a challenge, but make sure that you draw your lines. Critical thinking's for everyone. Even you.